Hello everyone, welcome to the Polygon Alpha podcast. Join us as we explore the latest trends, innovations, and strategies in this exciting world of decentralized finance and Web3. Our guests are experts and thought leaders in the industry sharing their insights and experiences to help you better navigate this rapidly evolving crypto landscape. I'm your host, Justin Havens, aka Crypto Texan. So sit back, relax, and let's get started. Today we are joined by Amit, Hashida, and Rickson, all founders, co-founders from the TimeSwap team. The first fully decentralized, automated market maker-based money market protocol without the use of oracles. Amit, Arshida, Rickson, thanks for being here with us today. How's everything going? All good, all good. Thank you for having us. Yeah, I mean, quite excited to be here. We have uh, obviously been interacting for a long time, so uh, we are excited to again chat with you speak to the Polygon community more about TimeSwap and yeah, very much excited to be here. So let's start with some introductions. Uh, let's, for those that are just listening to the audio and not watching the video, we'll put the voices to the names. So let's just go through your roles and, you know, what is your role and what is your title at TimeSwap? Arshita, let's start with you and then we'll go to Amith and Rixon. Hi, uh, so I'm Harshita. I'm one of the co-founder with TimeSwap Labs. So uh, predominantly uh, with TimeSwap, I oversee business operations, hiring, uh, business development, investor relationships, and finance. Amazing. Thanks for that. And then Amit? Yep. Uh, <clears throat> so yeah, Amit, uh, one of the co-founders of TimeSwap, uh, been in crypto since early 2017. Uh, mostly through your typical cycle of buying and losing all our money in shitcoins and then later researching on what I put my money into and then realize, oh, this is like pretty insane technology. And then, yeah, <clears throat> like uh, was here till during the 2019 bear markets and obviously during the early days of, let's say, DeFi when we used to call it open finance, like synthetics, ETHLAND, which is our way today. And then obviously DeFi summer happened and like uh, was obviously thanks to COVID was stuck at home. So was just like playing around with all the DeFi farms and realized that probably DeFi is the first uh, breakout application for blockchains. And so it gave me a real conviction to like quit my previous uh, gig in fintech. So yeah, I was in fintech before this and prior to that in TradFi. So like the full cycle from TradFi to fintech now DeFi. So yeah, very excited to be part of this ecosystem and also building for the last couple of years. So yeah, let's uh, get further into the conversation. Rickson, over to you. Uh, so my name is Rickson. You can just call me Rick. Uh, I'm also called Time Lord in the Time Swap community as well. Uh, so yeah, uh, my academic background is in mathematics and I've been inspired by the different DeFi projects roughly around two and a half years ago. And learning about all this interesting project and all this interesting project that is able to create finance in a pure sense, for sure, not not corrupted or not uh, not corrupted by let's say governments, right? It is free market in its purest form. I'm really inspired to do something about it, and that's where I started TimeSoft roughly two and a half years ago. Uh, so I'm the technical founder, the 
the one who does the economics as well as the tech side of uh, Timesoft. Nice to meet you, everyone. Yeah. yeah, thanks for that background. And so in my introduction, I said TimeSwap is the first fully decentralized, automated market maker based money market protocol without the use of oracles. So that is a mouthful for a lot of people who are not familiar with DeFi. So I, my next question is, what is TimeSwap? Yep, it's good. All right, so, all right, so um, I was, the, the first time I utilized uh, DeFi other than Bitcoin and Ethereum was Uniswap. Like the first time I went to their website, the first time I don't have to sign up for anything. I just have to put a number. They just swap to whatever token I want. That was like, that was inspired. I was inspired by that. And obviously after that, I've also learned about different projects like, like Compound, for example, right? And through that, I tried to read and try to understand, okay, how do this protocol works, right? And based on how those protocol works, what are the characteristics that makes it work? What are the difference, right? And the thing about um, protocols like Uniswap, and I'm also going to include Balancer because they have very similar architecture, Curve, uh, Curve is that this protocol works permissionlessly, right? You can just literally create a DEX for any pair of tokens. Uh, it is fundamentally unbreakable, and I'll try to talk about more about this concept of unbreakability a bit more later. Um, and there's no governance required in a sense that the, the, the key protocol, like there's no keys to stop it, essentially. It just works very well. And when you look at, let's say, other protocols, uh, the current like popular designs of lending and borrowing protocols right now, and even in options as well, is that uh, they don't have all of these characteristics. If you want to create a money market, let's say in Compound, you have to ask permission from the DAO. It's very governance heavy. And usually when it's governance heavy, there are some problems with regards to, you know, uh, uh, there's no permissionless innovation because of this, right? So that made me wonder, why is it that in protocols like Uniswap Balancer, you can do it permissionlessly? We're in protocols like Aave or Compound and many other very similar design as those protocols, why can't they have this permissionless design, right? And that's where I started, okay, I wanna start TimeSwap. So TimeSwap is, the, the idea here is, I want to create a money market protocol, essentially a protocol to manage tokens through time, essentially, to be a bot with all the same characteristics and all the same benefits as protocols like Aave and Compound. So the thing that makes TimeSwap very different from other money market is number one, it's permissionless, literally. There's lit we literally don't have any keys. You don't have to ask for permission. You could just call a single function. It will create that pool for you and, and you just have to add liquidity and you now have a pool wherein people could now lend or borrow from it in a free market process. And the best part about this one is it works permissionlessly for any tokens, whether it's a high quality token like ETH or USD, or whether the, it's the shittiest uh, 
long tail token you can imagine, like Shiba, uh, like a Shiba Doge pool. You can actually create a time swap pool with that if you want to. So that makes it so that, uh, and it does so without any oracles. It doesn't read from any oracle price, so oracle manipulation by definition cannot can never happen in time swap. I think the best metaphor I usually use for this is you can't get a brain tumor if you don't have a brain. So it's the same logic there. It's impossible to be hacked if you don't have an oracle by definition, right? And because of this, and finally, time swap is also generalized. It's generalized to any token as well. Whether it's a high volatility token or a low volatility token, it just works. And the idea here is I want to create the same experience as anyone that interacts with Uniswap or Balancer, where you can just create a pool easily with very minimal amount of uh, gatekeeping, but for money market. So that's what TimeSwap is all about. And the reason, just to add something to it as well, the reason why it's called TimeSwap is because you're fundamentally swapping tokens through time. Whenever you're lending, you're moving your tokens from the present to the future. And whenever you're borrowing, you're moving tokens from the future to the present. You're essentially managing tokens through time. Right. And when I do think about lending and borrowing protocols like Aave and Compound, they do have to go through that governance process because they do have to assign certain risk parameters like the loan to value of a specific asset, right? If it's long-term versus, you know, you need to be able to manage those those parameters, almost like a credit committee at a bank or a risk committee at a bank in a sense. But you, with TimeSwap, y'all are attempting to extract away even those specific parameters. Like, how would that, how does that work compared to Aave and Compound? Let's get into a little bit more details because I think most people are very familiar with Aave and Compound, maybe how, how some of those parameters are different. Yeah, I think the easiest example is probably like we launched the Blur USDC pool on Ethereum like a couple of weeks ago. Now, let's say a community like Blur, which has a very strong set of holders, like great set of investors, but it's a new token. So it's expected to be highly volatile. Uh, and obviously, if the liquidity is low on, let's say, let's say decentralized exchanges, the oracles can be a problem. So where TimeSwap comes in is for communities like this, which have a strong, let's say, brand, they have a lot of users, the token has clear demand. On TimeSwap, the day the Uniswap pool is created, same day you can create a money market because there is no external reliance. It's basically the person who has, let's say, the assets believes this token needs a money market, they can go to TimeSwap and create a pool. So just like you create a Uniswap pool for, let's say, Blur, you can now come and create a money market pool on TimeSwap. So this essentially is the fundamental difference in terms of, let's say, when we say permissionless on TimeSwap, we basically means permissionless not just for users, it's also permissionless for, let's say, the projects and communities to create, uh, let's say, uh, a great, let's say, economy around their token. So today, token economy has, let's say, utility through, let's say, Uniswap because you're exchange, exchange value. Now with TimeSwap, these token communities can also capture value through time, not just in an instance. So that's fundamentally the main, let's say, value proposition as users, as projects. Now, when it comes to design, obviously there are 
certain differences like Rickson mentioned earlier uh, we don't use oracles uh, and obviously like you mentioned why do let's say Aave compound need governance it's because fundamentally like you said the risk parameter setting uh, in our case what we believe is that why should a set of people in a DAO decide the risk why not let the people who are putting capital decide the risk right so essentially we are doing the same thing with Uniswap today like let's say if somebody creates a Uniswap pool if the price in that pool is let's say different from let's say Binance or some other market with larger liquidity you're essentially giving let's say arbitrage is free money right to bring the price back to whatever central venue what we are saying is why restrict to just exchange prices why not even have risk also market driven rather than being decided by let's say few sort of people at a DAO or let's say some external let's say uh, let's say company that's deciding risk for the entire ecosystem so what we believe is isolating risk for pair of assets whereas in Aave compound all assets are in one pool what we have decided is okay let's isolate the risk between only two assets so let's say in blur usdc's case the person who's lending has to only worry about blur token and its performance whereas in our way or let's say other protocols when you're lending stable coins into the pool you're lending it against 20 different assets and if Aave adds a new asset into the pool you are taking risk against that also so it's a slightly different thought process of how to scale money markets for every asset and how do you let's say weigh the pros and cons what are the trade-offs you're making to achieve this goal of being a fully permissionless money market so for building that we have come out with certain let's say uh, mechanisms like this oracle list no liquidation loans market driven collateral etc so all of this obviously is inspired from uniswap but the goal is that eventually or the vision is that eventually for any community when they launch a token they can have an exchange market on uniswap they can have a money market on timeswap on the same day that's like the eventual goal yeah, i think the simplest analogy that we always give is that time swap is like Uniswap, but for lending and borrowing, which means that the way you can have exchange price discovery for any assets, you can have interest rates and collateral factor discovery on time swap. So one important thing to also note is that on time swap, your LTV is also changing, right? So with every transaction, the collateral factor is also dynamic. So there is a correction that happens in terms of market conditions. So when you go to a compound in Aave or other protocols, so you will see that the uh, LTV or your uh, collateral factor is a fixed number. So if it's a fixed number, then it will only it can only change through governance. So there is a response time which is which is not correcting as per the market. So I think this with times of you're able to solve this problem of capital inefficiency where it is fairly possible that if you have to borrow some asset, you might be locking higher collateral on compound and Aave because it's a fixed number, but it is also possible that since currently the market conditions are something else and your collateral factor can be much less also. That we have seen on TimeSoft many times that you can get loans at a very low collateral factor as compared to other protocols. Yeah, and I, I love that analogy where you say TimeSwap is like the Uniswap for DeFi lending and borrowing. And that I think that resonates a lot for me and that helps me understand it because I think when most people think about permissionlessness in terms of like Aave or Compound or just DeFi lending and borrowing, they're thinking about anyone can, you know, supply assets as collateral and anyone can 
borrow those assets. Um, but permissionlessness can go further than that as well in the sense, you know, what y'all are talking about, you know, the, the creation of markets, right? For Aave and Compound, you've got to go through governance. For TimeSwap, it's very similar to Uniswap in making a liquidity provision pool and that you can just do it. The, that is also permissionless, which I think is, is very interesting about TimeSwap. And, and like, who do you foresee being like the main end user here for TimeSwap? Is it just, I mean, obviously people who want to go long or short on a specific asset or want to borrow against an asset for a specific amount of time, but who else do you see? Um, what are y'all's thoughts there? Yeah, I think uh, for us, the way we think about this is like every user who uses Uniswap is a direct uh, like the end user for us. It's just that what kind of product do they need on a, let's say, time frame, right? So everything that TimeSwap does is based on time frames. It's basically you are essentially capturing the time and risk value for a pair of assets, right? So for us, it is essentially all the users of, let's say, DeFi who are our end users. But if I want to, let's say, get into, let's say, short-term specifics, right? So if you look at one specific design of a pool is such that uh, you see the non-liquidatable loan that we are offering. It essentially replicates the payoff of like a put option that we see generally these days in, let's say, uh, decentralized options vaults, right? So these vaults today capture a lot of field. Like they have about, I think, 300 million plus TVL across all the ecosystems. And they have like managed to, let's say, create this, uh, let's say, new pool of capital that's accessing risk through a different kind of instrument, right? An option is a different instrument, but what the projects have done is they have abstracted that complexity of option away and just provided to the users, okay, just deposit your assets, it's gonna earn yield, we'll manage it. So the, that is one sub-segment of users that we think would really find value with TimeSwap because what we are essentially doing is something similar, like you're lending into the pool, there is borrowers on the other side that can be looked at similar to like how, like like option sellers are on one side and borrowers on the other side or say option buyers. So that is one subsegment. If I want to talk about like today, who could find real value? So other things are obviously the long tail asset communities. If they want to, let's say leverage, like, like I mentioned blur, right? Like the blur community, if you want to leverage your asset, you just deposit on time. So you can borrow against it. One set of users is that obviously projects themselves can be our end users. Uh, like something that we mentioned earlier was initial debt financing offerings where projects themselves can raise capital by using their treasury assets. So this uh, actually came into being with some conversations with other projects. Like during this deep bear market, what many projects were doing was they were selling their native assets from their treasury into the market to meet their monthly expenses. And these projects told us that we'd rather prefer to like use this asset in our let's say treasury as collateral to borrow but unfortunately there is no solution in the market today so with times up now these projects can also like deposit their treasury assets into let's say a pool borrow directly against it from community so uh, like the potential use cases for times of is like pretty much up to the creativity of the end users and the market because the the amm does one thing really well it enables you to capture time and risk value for any pair now you can create all kinds of financial products that captures like this time frame and time value. So like some of the users, like I mentioned, are 
long tail asset communities even option traders even simple lenders like we are working on a vault uh, which is going to come out pretty soon where essentially now users don't have to worry about moving in and out of pools you just supply assets like stable coins to this vault and the vault will actually manage this across different pools on time swap and earn deals for you so yeah quite excited like a lot of like use cases are possible because it's a fundamental defi primitive at the end of the day yeah i think that's something that is also kind of standing out to me is that there is this opportunity for future composability um yes. some of the yeah you've touched on that a little bit amith but like like i can see like bonds being something that could be built on top of this that you mentioned options like what are you talking to any teams right now who are who are planning to use this i mean i mean we are predominantly working with let's say uh, market makers because there are a lot of market makers who already work with like other options protocols where they are buyers uh, to the option vaults and they sell that on exchanges because the implied volatility is different compared to centralized markets so that is definitely a sub segment of users that we are currently actively working with because they essentially fill the buy side of the protocol and sell side is basically all the folks on defi who are looking to earn yield so essentially you're channeling this let's say borrow demand from the institutions and on the sell side it's basically the users of defi yeah very interesting and yeah. So I've been paying attention to TimeSwap for quite some time. And, you know, when I hear about, you know, it being the Uniswap for borrowing and lending and, you know, it, it doesn't use oracles for, for I guess, price discovery, um, you know, that's that's something that kind of makes me squint a little bit and think I need to dig in a little more and see what see what's going on here. And I guess my next question is, you know, what is it like building a project like this from the ground up to where it is it is a lot more immutable than maybe some other lending and borrowing projects and is there any fork in this project like i'll hear developers say like oh this is 60 percent fork or this is 20 percent fork um what, what was that process like for y'all yeah so uh when i started times up i have some very important goals number one is make it as decentralized as possible because if you're building a protocol on top of a decentralized system if the protocol on top of it is more is also decentralized it's more valuable because if a protocol that's built on a decentralized system is more centralized what's the point it's less valuable in a sense that if it's centralized, why not just implement a central server, right? It'll be cheaper that way. What's the, what's even the point, right? What's the point? Of, what's the point of having a central protocol that is controlled by a group of a, a small group of people, if um, if that can be done the same way in a central server, which you know has already existed, right? So what's the point? So that's one. It has to be as decentralized as possible. So I started doing so, and the process of uh, figuring out how to do it, right, took me two and a half years. And I'm talking about hundreds of iterations. So what I do is I take a notebook, I write, write a formula down, see, okay, what if people lend? What ha what's gonna happen? How will the token flow? What's the algorithm? 
to price the interest rate and the collateral factor, right? And then it's through that process of hundreds of iterations uh, where I've, I found the correct, a eureka moment where I realized, okay, this is it. It has all the characteristics that Uniswap has, which is what I want, right? It is unbreakable. Like you never heard of Uniswap or Balancer economically break, right? And the good re and the reason why those protocols doesn't economically break is because um, because of some of these factors. Number one, it does, and this is more. This is the most important thing: is it doesn't have a prisoner's dilemma issue. There's no scenario in Uniswap or Balancer where in there's a user wherein if he doesn't do the correct action, everyone suffers. There's no scenario like that in Uniswap at all, zero. Because if there's a scenario wherein there's a user or some group of users wherein if they do the wrong action, it hurts everyone else, you now create a scenario in which if that user you know, does something wrong, everyone suffers. That's essentially a prisoner's dilemma, right? And one great example is an oracle, right? There's a mismatch of incentives, essentially. Someone who wants to manipulate the oracle in such a way that they can take, take advantage of this. Essentially, oracle manipulation hack uh, comes down to just a prisoner's dilemma issue. And here's the thing. If there's a prisoner's dilemma issue, there will never, it can never be decentralized ever. There will always be some centralized factor to control that prisoner's dilemma issue. So that's a very important uh, characteristics that, uh, that is really important to me. So that's why there's, uh, inside the protocol, there's no, um, there's no problem where, the, it's always designed such a way that if there's a user who does the wrong thing, it's actually a gain for everyone else. So there's always an incentive for everyone to do the right thing. Because whenever you do the wrong thing, you suffer. Whenever you do the right thing, you maintain. You don't suffer. So it's always based on per individual basis. Every risk and reward is always isolated per individual, per address. And that's why there's, and this is why our protocol can be decentralized in a sense that it's permissionless. We don't have to manage it anymore. There's no keys. We, if a pool is created, someone added liquidity into it, we literally cannot stop that person anymore. So it's through that process of building it up where I end up with how TimeSwap is designed. And a big in inspiration from it is obviously from Uniswap and Balancer, right? I, I learned a lot of how they designed it. I tried to understand, okay, how, why is it designed this way? Like I tried to understand it from first principles. So it's from there that, you know, um, TimeSwap is designed such a way. Yeah, I think uh, also to just add on to like what Rickson was mentioning, yes, there is uh, zero forking in this, like, like this AMM, like it's completely built from the grounds up. So if you look at our evolution also, like you're aware that we have the V2 up right now, but the V1 took us about 18 months to actually get it to mainnet because 
uh, although it hit mainnet in 18 months before that we've probably went through about seven different designs of that mm itself before we finalized on that one so like the entirety of 2021 we were just uh, like prototyping different designs running like back testing algorithms and see how the results are uh, we went close to launching test nets two times but we decided okay let's optimize this more and essentially that's why it took us like 18 months in the first go but obviously those 18 months were very valuable because we learned so many things that essentially the v2 came out in about six months after the v1 was live so we were about able to like compound so much of the learnings that we had from our v1 into the v2 design and uh, essentially like the the process uh, is there's always the compounding effect where like today like if you ask us like we know the edge cases and the end end let's say boundaries of let's say these different designs so we're able to like better create newer versions plus build products on top of it so it's a iterative process a lot of compounding and learning uh, but yeah it's been pretty i mean it is very challenging but at the same time like you're constantly motivated because like you you are like literally shooting in the dark because there is no frame of reference right like like you said other protocols have some frame of reference like when you're forking or changing some design here there is it's literally a zero to one product so we had to like learn ourselves on the job like making mistakes trying things out but uh, yeah i wouldn't do it any other way pretty exciting yeah normally when you tell anyone that you know it's two years we took time to build so you know for for people in crypto it's you know almost 10 years but that's what we always say that uh, when we started it was zero to one project and there is no benchmarking that you can do right so we wanted to be very safe and secure at the same time so when we started you know the journey from v1 to v2 was faster as amit said but when we were designing v1 we took a lot of time to do a lot of we ran a lot of gamified testing test nets also where we wanted to make sure that a lot of users use our test net we get the feedback just see if there are any edge cases did a lot of security audits with our version 1 and then version 2 so ideally like yeah i mean the code which rickson has created which he always says most if you will compare it it's mostly similar to uniswap but yeah i mean on the surface level you might see that it's you know like x plus y into z and a simple equation but when you look at the white paper it's a 20 25 pages white paper where a lot of things goes into how the economic settlement happens at the back end so there's a lot of intricacies in how rickson has designed this protocol so i think this was a long journey but worth basically trying out this protocol yeah that's that's amazing and you know when i look at time swap and you know comparing in you're right it has like features of both uniswap and you know lending and borrowing protocols as well um when i look at when i look at ave you know if you borrow assets on ave you know there's no there's no maturity date you don't have to pay that back ever you're just you know you're accruing interest sure but you don't have to pay that back um but in, then on time swap uh, there are maturity dates and there are terms to these loans. So I'm wondering if you could explain, you know, why is that necessary under this specific uh, structure? Yeah, so I think uh, times of one of the features that a borrower get is non-liquidatable feature, which means that there are no liquidations in time swap. So essentially, if you do a borrowing, uh, the only liquidation that happens is at maturity, where it's an auto liquidation if you don't repay your 
debt before maturity then your collateral that you logged is distributed to the lenders so uh, for this you need to have a timeline where you know let's say if a borrower has taken a position let's say if it's a one week pool so at seventh day of the pool if at that given time you don't repay your loans your basically a uh, position is liquidated and distributed to the lenders so yeah that's that's the way at the base of it how we designed it to be a fixed term protocol so that's how it is different from avian compound in terms of so avian compound is a continuous protocol we are a fixed term protocol so and lots of different elements in terms of design changes also of course that we touched upon is that we don't use oracles right so if you are not using oracles that means liquidations cannot happen let's say based on market changes right it can happen happen at a certain date so that's how since we are fixed term protocol we we decide at a particular date of maturity that now if you want to liquidate a borrower or not okay yeah that makes sense to me and uh, another question i have more like in the design and architecture has to do with you know the the price discovery of these assets you know like i understand how uniswap determines the price of an asset because someone permissionlessly uh, creates a pool with two assets and then the ratio between those two assets is the price of both of those assets in that vacuum and then arbitragers will come in to keep that price in line with the rest of the market outside of that vacuum so to speak so is it similar with time swap or how does time swap's protocol determine the price of these assets without oracles yeah so uh, basically on uniswap right let's compare with uniswap you have xyz equals to k so where the different ratio of these variables decides what's the exchange price so sorry xy into k so the y by x essentially decides what is the exchange or spot price for that particular asset pair similarly the way uh, time swap v2 is designed it's x plus y into z equals to k where the uh, the ratio of these variables keeps changing after every transaction so the way it works is that when a lending happens your x plus y essentially x plus y consider it like a principle that you lend into the pool so since time swap pools are bidirectional so for example if it's a usdc eth pool you can either lend usdc or eth so x plus y essentially is basically determining what is the asset in the pool what is the usdc in the pool what is the let's say eth in the pool so x consider x plus y as equivalent to the principal or the asset available in the pool for borrowing and z essentially is the time factor which determines the interest rate so essentially the ratio of z upon x plus y determines at any point in time what is the interest rate of that particular pair of the pool and uh, your collateral factor is also coming from once your interest rate comes from this z by x plus y your collateral factor also is decided with this z variable so whenever the the pool reserves of these xyz state changes your uh, interest rate and collateral factor also changes so just to explain for example if you lend into the pool your you are actually increasing the reserves of the principal in the pool which is x and y and since it's a constant product that means your z has to decrease in order for to maintain the constant product right because you have increased x plus y so if you have to decrease z that means your interest rate is going to decrease because interest rate is essentially coming from your z variable so that's how so interest rate goes down your collateral factor is directly also mapped with interest rate which is z so it is directly proportional to z so your collateral factor also goes down so the more lending happens 
the lesser is the interest rate and collateral factor for the next next lender and similarly when you do borrowing you are actually taking out the reserves from the pool of let's say the the assets that are in the pool so you are decreasing the x plus y sum so when you do that you are you have to essentially increase the z variable reserves of the pool so by doing this you are actually increasing the interest rate and collateral factor for the next borrower so that's how the pool dynamics works and that's how we ensure that the price discovery of interest rate and collateral factor is essentially at equilibrium with the market okay that's that's very very helpful oh did you have something to add yeah so essentially to summarize a little bit whenever you lend it pushes apr and cdp lower whenever you borrow it pushes apr cdp higher so whenever those two prices doesn't fit with the market price a lender and borrow it means it's a very good deal for a lender or a borrower and they can arbitrage that value very similar to uniswap as you can see except instead of ex- instead of discovering spot price we're actually discovering volatility price and that volatility price determines apr and cdp that is amazing okay and that that helps okay so that helps determine the price the cdp and what you're calling the the volatility price which is just price is is kind of what i'm saying right in yep. interest rates okay that's that's amazing and and so on uh, you know i noticed when i i've been using time swap um for a while and i noticed that at first you had these one week lending and borrowing pools where the maturity was 7 days and now at least on polygon i've seen um one month pools the 30 day pools which expire on March 27th, which is the same day of, of the ZK EVM launch. There's my plug. Um, so what, what was, why did you decide on that gradual increase? Um, I just want to know your thought process behind that as, as builders. Yeah, I think fundamentally one of the key reasons for that is a new, let's say, uh, feature with our version two, like in the first version that we launched last year, lenders and liquidity providers cannot exit the pool before the pool matures so uh, i mean you can think of it right if it's a one month pool and you cannot exit prior to that people will be like okay that's like a little longer duration i might need the capital in the middle so essentially it was let's say a way for us to manage let's say uh, user needs at the same time ensuring that we have sufficient duration to capture some let's say yield so one week why we stuck to that was like most of the option vaults have this one week epoch system which runs from friday to friday so already there is a set of let's say users in defi who are used to this time frame so our thought was that okay if we want to like capture maximum users at the same time maintain some sort of let's say existing user behavior that they used to one week seemed like a like a decent duration now that was obviously applicable for our version 1 now with version 2 you are able to exit the pool anytime as a lender or an lp you can freely move in and out of the pools which means now we can actually extend that duration to whatever time frame we need so obviously this one month was like the first pool that we have launched soon we are going to like start launching longer durations like 45 days 2 weeks let's say 3 months maybe half yearly maybe full year also but yeah it's it's purely due to the let's say the improvement in the design itself with a new feature that we have unlocked with the version 2 product so that's 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 the fundamental like reason i mean i i we know that users also 
let's say like longer duration it's just that they would like to have the optionality it's not like people don't want to lend for long duration they just want an optionality to exit if it's possible that optionality did not exist in our version 1 in v2 that optionality is inbuilt into the protocol so you can get into a one year pool today but let's say three months later you needed the capital you can exit obviously you are not going to get the full yield you will only get yield for that specific duration where you are part of the pool and, and currently uh, we deployed this pool but because it's permissionless right uh, anyone could just create a pool for whatever duration they want if some if everyone doesn't if someone doesn't agree that our short duration pool is not enough they can freely just deploy a two year pool or a three year pool whatever they want and just add liquidity to it and if there's a demand for lending and borrowing for that kind of duration let it be so it is it, that was one of my questions because right now i'm just kind of seeing like one market on like one on ethereum one on polygon and so that's just what's showing on the front end but so anyone can today go in and create any i guess pool if they wanted to correct and i can take that the way we are looking at this is the product is a completely like uh zero to one product like there is no frame of reference so users have to fundamentally understand how this thing works before they start aping in like one of the problems with permissionlessness is also that it is permissionless for scammers as well like scammers can create a random token pump it on uniswap listed here with like 5000 percent yield and get community to lend into it and they can like freely borrow the stable coin using their like scam token on the other side so it it is like a conscious choice initially where we want to like ensure we get users to understand how the protocol works so we believe a more curated let's say go to market is good for the first few months but eventually we will like fully decentralize where anybody can create a pool but having said that uh, like obviously being fully decentralized means our smart contracts are on chain and if somebody wants to do it they don't need our permission they can directly go to the on chain contract and they can do that even today so obviously at smart contract level we are not let's say curating we are just curating on the front end that we control but at the smart contract level anybody can go deploy a pool even today okay and it, as y'all are building this project over the past 18 months and then the six months after that and you've been talking to users investors the community like what are some of the misconceptions that you found yourself continually having to address about time swap or i guess like just what was the like what's the most common question that you received about the project that like stands out to you the most yeah i think the most common misconception comes from the name itself because time swap means a lot of people confuse us for like exchange like a dex or they're like oh you're like a swap protocol you're like a dex and we're like okay no no it's time swap we are swapping assets through time which is basically lending borrowing so obviously when we say that for the first time people are like oh, it doesn't make sense but when you tell them like when you're doing borrowing you are actually giving a collateral getting another thing back at maturity you're again giving this back getting your collateral back right so you're actually swapping but through time so when we explain that like like that people are like oh shit now it makes sense okay so that is obviously one question that we've been getting quite uh, commonly 
I think from a protocol perspective, I think some of the questions that you asked earlier, I think like how does it discover prices without an oracle? Because for a lending borrowing market, the prices are necessary for collateralization. So I think the other common question is like like how does that work? Like like how does the protocol ensure collateralization without an oracle? So I think the free market arbitrage process is something that uh, like. we take the example of uniswap like look at uniswap right it doesn't have an oracle it doesn't even quote a price it just tells you like okay at this point of time if you give this asset you get this asset in so much quantity right and then the free market economy basically ensures the exchange price is equal to all the other markets so yeah i think these are some common questions i mean rickson harshita if any questions that you guys want to chime in Yeah, I think one of the other misconceptions, while initially when we used to speak with, let's say, investors also, used to be that uh, you know, okay, you are trying to build for long tail assets. Predominantly, people think that okay, time swap is for long tail assets, but we always say that if it can work for long tail assets, then definitely it can work much much better for high end assets as well. So we are not just capturing or we are not just building for long tail assets. Of course, our inherent design. allows us to scale to long tail assets very securely but it also means that time swap can work equally good for high end assets where it can also offer competitive prices in terms of interest rates and collateral factor so that is something which is a misconception as of now also like no generally people say that okay time swap for long tail assets essentially the just to add to that as a metaphor time swap is essentially evolved to be able to survive in the worst desert you can imagine right many other lending borrowing protocols can only survive in a rainforest throw them to throw them to uh to a desert oracle manipulation about billions of dollars loss but time swap is the only protocol that can survive on a desert in the most volatile from the shittiest long tail tokens to pretty good long tail tokens right and because they can work there it means it will it's going to survive like cancer in a rainforest because of all its ability to survive in a desert you can imagine in a rainforest it'll be a breeze for it to survive and uh procreate survive and thrive yeah i think um i, I mean i'm a, a big fan of the time swap name personally because i i worked yeah. in traditional finance for like 13 14 years and i always thought about lending as in borrowing as like a time machine right you're bringing something into the future into the present and the cost you pay for using that time machine is the interest rate depending yes. on what that yes. is so when i saw yeah. the name i was like these guys they get me they understand me <laughs> and and to add to that um, another thing that a lot of quant will really understand is time value is the same as volatility value they're one and the same anytime there's the concept concept of time there's uncertainty by definition this is also the reason why time swap is all about pricing volatility because when you're pricing volatility volatility you're actually pricing the time value so that's so time and volatility is actually two sides of the same coin essentially and the quant will understand that. Yeah, that's very interesting. Yeah. And okay, do, like do you see oracleless defi protocols becoming more of a trend? Because like at the beginning, 
that that was it, right? Like you didn't want any type of reliance on on any external parties in your project, right? Like synthetics and you know Uniswap and Balancer and all of those. Um, do you see that becoming more of a trend? Like, and and I try to think like, is there a way to do that with like stable coins? I think that would be really interesting because, like, even Liquity LUSD like that uses Chainlink. And I guess Rye is is Oracleless. I think I, I could be wrong there. Also uses uh, Oracle. Rye does so, as well. Yeah, because it uses ETH as collateral, so it has to price in that. Right. Exactly. So my my answer to that is I I do believe that in the future it will become more and more Oracleless, at least at the core of the whole DeFi ecosystem, because if we want to build the core. You want it to be as unbreakable as possible, right? And the moment you utilize an oracle, there's now a probability of hacking because of the disparity between information and reality, right? Because in oracle, you're just saying something. That's it. There's the difference between an oracle saying something versus making a transaction and doing something, right? So time swap. There's nothing in TimeSwap where it, it determines the behavior of the, of the protocol based on an information. Instead, all the price comes from action, from the fact that people move tokens, everything. So essentially, you can imagine uh, Oracle. I think the best metaphor I like to use here is this. There's a difference between you saying that you shot someone versus you actually shooting someone. Right. When you when you just say you shot someone, it could be true, it could be false, and there's no repercussion, right? Wherein if you actually shoot someone, right, there's actual repercussion from everyone else. And that's why time swap is secure, because there's no scenario where we're making decisions based on some information. Instead, Every decision, every behavior is based on true to from actual token transfer, from real behavior. For short, every time you do a stupid transaction in TimeSwap, you get repercussion. Always, there's always a there's always a reaction to every action in TimeSwap, and this is also the reason why Uniswap has never broken down for many years. It's also the reason why Balancer just works without any management whatsoever, right? Wherein, if you look at protocols with, uh, with oracles, you could see that any protocols who try to go to the long tail assets, they simply get hacked because of the, because of the uh, difference between reality versus information, right? Gets hacked. And usually when we're talking about long tail tokens, the probability of hacking increases. We're in for high quality tokens, it becomes smaller, but never zero. So that's the thing you really have to be careful about, right? When you're interacting with a protocol that relies on an Oracle, it, the probability of the whole protocol just breaks down, may be very small, but it's never ever zero. So that's very scary. So in my opinion, it's very important that if you want to create a protocol, you want the core to be as unbreakable as possible especially economically speaking. You want it to be unbreakable. I could imagine you would 
might want to require oracles at the edge because again, we have to interact with the real world, but that should be at the edge of the protocol, right? And that's important because if the core protocol has, a, let's say 0.001% probability of breaking due to economic reality, right? Then you could imagine all the protocols built on top of it will just topple down. So we end up with this cascading issue that, you know, not that you know, we've been experienced this past few years in DeFi, right? Where a protocol gets hacked and some other protocol falls down with it, right? And another, and one reason why I believe that Oracle is required in some way at the edge is because um, Oracle will only, uh, it's impossible to remove an Oracle if the source of truth is outside the blockchain. So for example, a dollar. A dollar, the source of truth of one dollar is outside the blockchain. I've been, I've been figuring out if there's a way to create a stable coin without any Reliance Oracle, and unfortunately, you can, right? For example, USDT, USDC, the company behind them, they're the Oracle. They're saying, okay, we have this one USDC, one USDT, there's this one treasury backing it. So they are the Oracle, right? Or for example, if we're talking about algorithmic, they utilize an Oracle say, okay, uh, one ETH has, uh, what's the price right now? $1,700 or something like that as collateral, right? So any information where the information source of truth is outside the system, unfortunately you have no choice but to use an Oracle. But here's the thing, interest rate and collateral factor Spot price, it's not as it's not as information that is outside of the system. Instead, it's a emergent information out of the actions of everyone in the ecosystem. Think about it. Spot price is not an information because someone says so. It's an information due to the uh, due to the combined economic behavior and transactions by thousands and millions of people all over the world. That's how spot price comes out. There's no, there's no one single spot price in the world. It's just a, it's just a simplification of hundreds and hundreds of, uh, sorry, millions and millions of transactions happening every day. That's how spot price gets, uh, gets created, a simplification of something very complex. And that goes the same way for interest rate and collateral factor. It's just an information that comes out from the collective decisions and transactions and actions of millions of people. So in that scenario, <coughs> using an oracle for those kind of information is quite, it's not the best way to do about it. It's best to just <coughs> implement the system where you're getting these actions and creating a, a, an AMM to absorb those actions and create that uh, information out of it. Hopefully I didn't go to. No, I, th I, no, I, I think that makes sense. Um, I, I had an interview with Nick uh, from the Teller protocol, which is you know the decentralized Oracle protocol. And we touched on a lot of those subjects on like, you know, how do, how do you find the value of a dollar if you're not using external uh, factors like you, you have to and that's just that's just how it works um we are 
sadly running up on time here, which is unfortunate because I have like 40 other questions that I could ask y'all, but you know, <laughs> to be, you know, to be aware of y'all's time and the time of our listeners, um, just going to ask y'all one more question. Like, are there any other topics that maybe like you just want to touch on or discuss or where, or just where can people go to find out more about the three of you and time swap? Yeah, I think the best place to uh, learn what we do is obviously Twitter, I guess. I think that's de facto the the media outlet is a news publication for our industry. So we all live and die by Twitter itself. So yeah, follow us on Twitter, Timestop Labs. That's our official account. So all our announcement, everything goes through that. Uh, if you want to get a little bit more, let's say, into the culture of our Timestop, we have a Timestop intern account, which does all the same announcements, but via sheet posting. So if you like to get your news in a more entertaining format, follow our intern. But if you want to like follow the serious stuff, the official account is Timeswap Labs. And obviously all three of us are on Twitter. I am at 0x42069. Rickson is, I guess, Time Lord Keith. And Harshita is Harshita125, if I'm correct. So I think uh, all of us are on Twitter. So obviously, uh, I mean, follow us on Twitter. We have our own like uh, Discord, which is quite active. We have regular events, especially uh, like it's called the time traveler community. So if you follow our Twitter, you'll see GM time travelers because uh, like our community is built around the concept of time traveling as time swap. Right? Discord is great. Then obviously we have uh, medium where you can learn all about, let's say, long form articles about time swap. There is obviously a, a kid book which explains the entire moon math which Rickson has designed in simpler terms with diagrams and makes it more easier for folks like us to understand. So it's something that even I consume today. So overall, like there is a, like all kinds of, let's say, informational stuff that we've put out there because uh, we do know this is slightly more, let's say, not your regular kind of DeFi product. You need some more, let's say, help. So we are doing everything we can to help our users understand how best to use TimeSwap. So yeah, I think those are some of the best ways to get in touch with us. I was just saying that we are also very regular with our community calls. So it's a bi-weekly Twitter space that we do. So if any one of you have any questions regarding time swap in general with the team, you can anytime catch up at 4 p.m. UTC on Fridays. All right. Amazing. Well, thank the three of you for coming on to the Polygon Alpha show. Uh, for everyone who's listening and watching, thank you for listening and watching. Be sure to follow us on Polygon's official YouTube channel. You can also find us on Spotify and Apple and Substack. So thanks again. Thanks to the three of you at TimeSwap. And we'll catch you all next time. See you all later. Thanks, Justin. Bye. Have a happy time traveling. Happy time traveling. Happy time traveling.